podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ain't no place like a cowboy place, ain't no town like a cowboy town. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's, ain't no way you're going wrong, hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. As the new Hillsborough inquests continue to be heard in Warrington by Court of Appeal Judge Lord Justice Goldring, the families are reliving their losses once more as the people who passed away are remembered in a series of moving portraits by those who knew them best. For those not fully conversant with the scale of the injustice and adversity the families have faced, a very crude summary would be as follows. The original inquests held in Sheffield were the longest running in British legal history and they eventually concluded on March 18th, 1991. The jury returned a verdict of accidental death. They were not quashed until December 19th, 2012 by the then Lord Chief Justice on the instruction of Attorney General Dominic Grieve. Since that momentous day, hope is growing that the wrongs of the past can at last be addressed. Some modicum of peace can finally be delivered to the families of those who died and that there may finally be justice for the 96. For this special podcast on the anniversary of the tragedy, we're really fortunate to be joined by Sheila Coleman, Tony Evans, who's football editor of The Times, and Charlie Maloney, one of the organisers of Ireland Walks with the 96. Each of them has been good enough to give us a little chat about how the tragedy of Hillsborough impacted their lives, their own experience of the aftermath, and their hopes for the future of the campaign for justice. First up, Sheila Coleman of the Hillsborough Justice Campaign speaks to us about how the families have spent a quarter of a century searching for justice and truth. Sheila, you'll be a familiar face to many people in Ireland due to your prominence in the campaign for justice and your many visits over here to our shores. How have the events of the past few days left you feeling? It must be very emotionally draining to attend all these inquests, reliving your own loss and those of others that you've no doubt become close to over the years. Well, yes, I mean, you, you you know that kind of we can only speak about what's already been reported. But, I, you know, I'm quite happy to say around what is in the public domain. And today in particular, um, I, I come from the courts in Warrington today where one of our... Um, 
one of my closest friends and uh, another justice campaigner who lots of people over in Ireland will know as Wrighty, uh, Stephen Wright, gave an account about his brother Graham. And it was so poignant, you know, I, I was sitting beside his father and the rest of his family and Stephen was only three years older than Graham and they grew up and they were very close together and having a, a kind of an insight into Graham's life before Hillsborough was just so moving, it really was. And um, throughout these um, portraits being presented of families, it is actually so sad because, as you say, you know, I, I've over the years I've got to know many families, and in some cases I feel as if I know the people who are dead, even though obviously I never met them. Sure, yeah, and it, because it it must be so real the the recreation of their lives. Uh, over the last few days and to hear all the the little significant details that, that make a person, it, it must be, as you say, just very, very poignant. Well, there was um, one woman today who was speaking about her son who was a 14-year-old boy and, you know, a presentation of him, he was obviously sounded, you know, a really lovely boy and he was very strong about um, carrying a donor card and she was able to say how many people had benefited from his death and um, that was I found that really really difficult that she could be at that time even though he'd requested it that she was strong enough to carry out his wishes and allow his organs to be donated uh, providing life to other people so powerful um, very humbling as well yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Sheila, there's something that keeps occurring to me. Uh, people talk about, you know, what's happening here and they talk, the, the word closure gets thrown around a lot and, and people talk obviously about justice, but some people talk about it in a very glib way. I mean, the loss has been so great, the injustice has been so great over such a period of time, the vilification, all those years in the wilderness that, you know, I spoke to you before about. Can there ever be anything like a proper redress, do you think? Or what is going to be justice for, for yourself? I, I think it's a really hard thing. And we get, you know, get asked that question a lot. What does justice mean to you? Because it's obviously it's subjective. But um, there can never be a complete redress because obviously nobody can ever give those bereaved families what they want which are their dead children or their dead husbands back equally no one can turn back the clock and take away those experiences from survivors who have suffered so much so anything is damage limitation but it's also uh, for me i was asked this question last week and i said for me justice is accountability um and responsibility being held and people being held accountable for what they did and for me it's not necessarily punitive but it is for me it would be about going to the heart of our society and actually um learning lessons and making our society a better place to live that that these things can't happen again that what happened after hillsborough and what happened to cause it and also the subsequent cover-up can't happen again and i think that what is um but that is me and i didn't lose anyone at Hillsborough and so I totally understand people who um, haven't lost people or people whose lives have been so tremendously damaged having different views from me it's you know it's okay for me taking a kind of if you like liberal view of justice but that's easier to do when you haven't lost anyone um, and as close as I am to it I will never be as close uh, as the bereaved or as the survivors Sure. So it it is, as you say, it's going to be subjective for for everybody uh, uh, and will depend on how they perceive it and how they feel at any given time. But I 
suppose as you, you you make an interesting point there. What what kind of tangible things do you think um, you spoke about society moving on, learning lessons? What, you know, and, and accountability, of course, is a key word here. How could that do you think yeah. Sheila manifest itself so that people can? You know, that people can look at this and say, okay, something good has finally happened here and that we can, you know, we can see some sort of tangible uh, benefit to the whole process. Well, I think that um, the least uh, the bereaved are entitled to is a positive legacy and the legacy um, that out of their tragic deaths came a better society. So there needs to be a rigorous uh, examination of the systems and structures of society which enabled uh, a disaster like that to occur and then enabled a subsequent cover-up. And I think that is that is the legacy um, long-term that could be left. And let's not forget, you know, next week, next Tuesday, we're talking about a quarter of a century. It's a hell of a long time um, for people to campaign and fight for justice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it. And that, that was, it was actually in, in, in the next thing I was going to say to you, that phrase that really resonated with me, even just as I was thinking about what to say to you, a quarter of a century. It's a remarkable amount of time. And for so many of those years, Sheila, it's fair to say, isn't it, that, you know, there was very little... It says, um, I was asked about um, the nature of campaign and, yeah. and how you can sustain a campaign for so long. And, you know, I've reflected on it many times because, as I've previously said, there's been many dark years when there was very little happening. And what sustained people through those dark years? And I think it was that uh, innate sense of right and wrong that good people have and people knowing they had been wronged and their, their dead children and families had been wronged and that had to be corrected and that did sustain people um you know having been at the inquest um what really moves me looking at families is their warmth for one another and today for example um when when Stephen Wright was was to give the account of, of his brother Graham we were all there for him and you know Stephen is just one of the loveliest people you'd ever meet and is but is essentially so shy and he said afterwards you know he thanked everyone for being there for him but we wouldn't have been anywhere else because it is we are like a family and we are so close but that support for one another has been essential uh, because without that support I don't think people could have survived uh, these years of campaigning for sure and and as you say those dark years that that, that you, you guys have put down and, 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 and hopefully now are starting to overcome is there a feeling Sheila that maybe you know, is there a general feeling of positivity amongst people now who've been so involved and uh, that, that, that things are actually going to happen? Because I know there must be wariness, but is there still that feeling of hope? I think that um, it's a long way to go, you know, with sort of the inquests are scheduled to last for a year. And that is to ascertain how the people died. Um, they're not criminal proceedings. And um, when the inquests are concluded, there is still the possibility of criminal proceedings. The deeper there is, there are, there are, are, you know, other investigations ongoing. So we are talking several years down the road. I think the main difference is the things, uh, the, the frustration in the past was that people were saying things. Survivors who had been there on the day were saying things and were not believed. Now, um, 
there is the evidence which was always there but which was kept from us that is now there and also as well uh, there's much greater faith in the legal teams than last time um, I know that our legal representation we are very happy with that and we feel we have people on board uh, fighting our corner who have a reputation within their own profession uh, for human rights issues. Uh, so we feel we have excellent people working for us and who seem to grasp um, just what people have been through over the years. So there are major differences. So families, although tired and battle-scarred from many years of, of fighting, nevertheless um, are going into something feeling... Um, it's fairer than last time, I suppose. Uh, it's it's there's, there's a measure in which it is more open, and, um, and 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 up to now that has been the case. Obviously, only time will tell as the inquest proceed, and then following on from the inquest, uh, we just have to see what happens because it's 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 all out there. I do maintain, uh, as a campaigning group, we need to keep the pressure on. No doubt about that. We seriously need to keep the pressure on in order to um, just continue to fight um, for, for truth and justice, which is all we've ever done from the beginning. Sheila, we can only wish you the very, very best with what remains uh, of the inquest and for the ongoing campaign. And thank you for your efforts uh, on behalf of everybody who, who cares about the club and who cares about the people. Uh, thanks very much for joining us this evening, Sheila. Well, thank you, and um, good luck to everyone for the walk on Saturday. Um, it means an awful lot, and I think it's, it's, it's a great symbol. And thanks to all who, um, I know I saw you the other week, but everyone who came out for the HJC tournament, we always remember our friends in Ireland, and um, you sustained us through the years, as I always say. So thank you very much. Fantastic. Thanks, Sheila. Next, we spoke to Tony Evans, who told us about the incredible work done by some journalists, which runs contrary to the beliefs of many people that the media have been completely and utterly against the campaign from minute one. He also told us that he was cautiously optimistic about what may happen in the future. Okay, Tony, as a, as a prominent journalist for many years, how hard has it been to see the, the lies and the slander put forward in various sections of the media? And have you been able to use your own standing in any way to influence opinion, do you think, over the years? I think you've got to balance uh, how it was reported initially with some of the stuff that's been done since. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, it was, it, as well as the families, it was people like Brian Reed and David Connor who've kept the uh, the whole issue in the public eye. And, you know, for, for as much negativity as some areas of journalism brought to the whole Hillsborough issue, you know what? There's been some, there's been some brilliant stuff, some heroic stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the number of people who, and, and, and especially it strikes me after the 20th anniversary, when it looked as if there was nowhere to go with this, you know, it looked as if we'd gone down a blind alley and, um, you know, Andy Burnham hadn't set up the independent panel yet. You know, people like Brian, people like David Conn, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, in our paper, Tony Barrett, uh, myself, you know what, we, 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 we were desperate to keep this in the public eye. So, yes, you know what, the thing is, 
people like Kelvin McKenzie are not representative of what real journalism is, and they're not representative of what proper people in the business are doing. You know what? The most important thing in journalism is the quest for the truth and to tell people the truth. And McKenzie and people like him, they, they perverted that. And you know what? In the end, in the end, the good people will win. In the end, the people who fought for right will win. The families will win. All those, all those who were demeaned, all those whose names were blackened, you know, all those who they said we, we, you know, we stole from the dead and things like that. In the end, we, we will come out. We will come out, and the truth will be out. And a large part of that is to do with some of the journalists who fought. People like Brian, who've never let it go for all those years. Well, as you say, I mean, uh, people like Brian Reid and, and, and David Conn and people like that and people like yourself, clearly, it, it must have been extra hard in those dark days when there seemed to be nothing but vilification going on um, and, 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 and really people just wanted to brush it under the carpet and forget about it. It, it, it was brave. There was an element of bravery to keep putting those words on the page and to keep expressing that uh, feeling of outrage at injustice. I, I, I think one of the things, which, which was the, the worst thing of all, really, for, for, for many of us, you know, and, um, and I can't put myself in the category with, you know, the, with the people who fought for so long. I mean, you know, I've, so, so, you know, I ran away from it for a long time. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, you talk to people and they, they'd look at you in the face. They'd look you in the eye and say, just admit it, just admit it. You know, you broke down the gates, admit it, you're all drunk. And, you know, you, you'd like, you'd stand there. I'd always say the same thing them. I'd say, you know, when they talk about, I said, you know, would you steal from the dead? And they go, no. And I'd say, would you, would you urinate on police? And they go, no. I said, well, why would you think I would? Why in God's name would you think I would? And yeah. and and so that was the real frustrating thing about it, all the way through it. And you know, it's um, and and and, and so it's the, the the darkest time I think for me was after the twentieth anniversary when when it looked as if it had all gone flat and it looked as if we wouldn't get another bite of the publicity until you know until the twenty fifth anniversary. And I couldn't see how couldn't imagine it turned so quickly. And you know, I mean, when you look at how far we've come in the last five years. You know, and, and thanks to Andy Burnham, thanks to the independent panel, but most of all, thanks to the families who've hammered away at it. It's just, it's just, it's astonishing. And I wake up in the morning, and I, I like, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> we could, we could actually get a resolution on this. Yeah. It's a long way off, but we could. Well, it, it, you, you mentioned the, the comparatively incredible progress that's, that's been made over the last even year or so, or since 2012 anyway, the Christmas 2012. With the, with the inquest ongoing, um, how do you think the campaign to get justice or to get some sort of resolution, as you say yourself, for the families, how do you think it stands? And are you content that there is that momentum building now that will hopefully lead to something tangible? Well, I, I, I think what's going to happen is the wealth of detail that's going to come out in the in inquests is, is going to be so shocking and so so appalling. I think that the, the, the British people will demand, demand a, a resolution to this. They'll demand that those responsible for this breakdown of policing um, you know, sort of be, be punished for it. I think they'll demand that um, they'll demand that um, you know, responsibility is apportioned and this never happens again. Um, there's going to be some very, very difficult days ahead. Some of the, you know, it, it, it's been heartbreaking enough listening to the families talking about 
the, the people they lost. I think some of the detail that will come out about what happened on, on, on the day and how people suffered and, and even worse, how easily they could have been saved is going to be, it's going to be really shocking. And, but I, I do believe that the, the, there is a momentum now that can't be stopped. You know, it's, um, I, I think it's, it's gone too far, and and I believe there will be a resolution. It may still be a long way off. It may still be seven or eight years off, but there will be a resolution. Tony, from a societal point of view, an even an even broader picture of the whole thing, how alarming is it to see the the defensive stance that the police continue to adapt to see? you know, the machinations of the government over the years, you know, does it, does it leave you a little bit fearful, you know, that despite all the conciliatory noises that are being made, that there might be more evasion, there might be more kind of obfuscation of facts, there might be more sort of efforts to avoid responsibility? I, I No, I think I, I think the independent panel has been so exhaustive and so brilliant that uh, I, I don't think there's anywhere to go with it. Right. I think now what we'll see is is you know the, it's, it's a cliche and it's perhaps inappropriate here, but the devil will be in the detail for them, yeah. and then when 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 the when the, the, the full extent of what went on um, comes out, I think as I say, I think it'll be. It will shock a lot of people who who believed for so long. Well, and, and, and let's face it, we, you know, we, we should, in a perfect world, be able to believe what our government tells us and what, what our policemen tell us. And you know, it's um, and I think it will, will you know, it, it will undermine in many ways people's sense of uh, you know how they, how they can be protected. You know, if 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 people don't take responsibility and if people um you know aren't, aren't made and held to account for, for their actions yeah absolutely absolutely and it's a question i've asked a couple of people but i i, I was wondering for yourself as well it, maybe it's a subjective thing but for you what what would constitute some sort of what the, the, the proper result here in terms of um the kind of level of accountability or punitive measures or how, how would you what do you think would represent justice it's difficult to say. I mean, I, at, at the moment, I'm only thinking one step at a time, and you know, we we, we need to deal with the the inquest, and and then you know, let let the law run its course. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think if if it is you know, sort of, it does transpire that the, the, you know there the are criminal actions there, then I think that that needs to be addressed and that needs to be dealt with. Um, it's, it's hard to look too far down the line because. The, the the course of justice is never quick, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that one day that people will be called to account for what they did, that people will take responsibility for what they did, and I'm not even sure where I want from that. It will be so far distant. I mean, you'll be talking of very old men. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in many ways, if 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 it does come to that. And as I say, you know, we can't prejudice what's going to be said at the inquest. But if it if it does come to that, uh, you know, I, I think for them, as much as anything, and I, even though it will sound ridiculous, the loss of the reputation, the loss of the status, will be uh, probably as bad as anything that could ever happen to them. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, do you want vengeance? No. All I want is justice. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, listen, Tony, that's that's probably the exact note to end on, and we really appreciate your time, Stephen. Thanks very much for joining us. And finally, we speak to Charlie Maloney of Ireland Walks with the 96. This was a wonderful, wonderful occasion organised by Charlie and others and took place on Saturday in the Phoenix Park. Thousands of Irish Reds got to show solidarity with the families of the 96. And Charlie tells us a little bit about her own connection to the tragedy and how she feels the bonds between Liverpool and Ireland are as strong as ever. Charlie, as an organiser of Ireland Walks with the 96, uh, you'll have seen firsthand the kind of resonance that the, the tragedy of Hillsborough has even still on these shores. Would you mind maybe telling us something about your own connection to the tragedy? Um, my connection would be, I, well, I'm from Anfield. I was eight, showing me age now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, when, the, when Hillsborough happened and living so close to Anfield, it you you couldn't not not feel it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I went up with my younger brother and laid flowers at the cop. Well, at, you know, at the Alan Fields, and it was the last of the cop. And just I remember, like my mum, my mum was a blue, and I remember they sent me for the paper the day after it happened, and like, I obviously seen what was on the front of it, didn't understand it, and my mum saying to me, "Flowers, the flowers were not like that." That wouldn't have happened. We didn't do that, and I didn't understand what she meant. To be honest with you, it wasn't until like time went on that I realised what she meant, and and it always stuck with me that like she was an Evertonian and she was saying them things that that sounds mad, but you know. So yeah, and a girl I went to school with, she lost her uncle. He was only twenty one, and uh, you know so. It's you know it, they say you know oh everyone from Liverpool knows someone it's not like that people who were there they, they don't shout about it it's you know it's not that kind of way at all yeah but by the same token the the community is very much touched by it and as you say goes across whatever previous divides there were there everybody's kind of united in, in, in by by the tragedy itself sorry say cut the signals really bad sorry oh no worries no worries look. I, 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 can we just? I was wondering what your own feelings are, Charlie, on the way that proceedings are going across the water now with the inquest, and if you're optimistic that there may be actually some kind of justice eventually uh, delivered to the families. Um, it's 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 twenty five years too late to be honest with you. Um, my feelings of the whole thing. I, I'm glad that you know there is the opportunity for the families to be able to let the 96 people let rest in peace, do you know, because that's what they need. Yeah. They need, you know, they need to be let to be, to be rest in peace. Like, this this has had such a profound effect on not only the 96 people that died at Hillsborough, but, fact, you know, you don't have to look around Williams to see the profound effect that it's had on brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, this, you know, people have died not knowing the truth, do you know, so they deserve it. Um, it's a pity that it's took this long. I'm optimistic because it's coming out and people in it they're saying what we've been saying. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, if, uh, uh, there's a fellow Neil. Uh, he said in the uh, Hills documentary, they picked on the wrong city, and this is this is because they thought we were going, just going to go away and accept it, and it wasn't going to happen. You know, we went and. That I'm, and it's one of the reasons that makes me proud to be Scouts and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this walk to say, look, you know, I'm here, I'm in Ireland, but I'm not on my own. I'm a Liverpool fan and there's, there's hundreds, thousands out there that feel the way I do. Do you 
you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, you, you speak about being based in Ireland now. What have you made of the strength of the connection there between, the, you know, your home city and, and, and where you're based now in, in this country? So, uh, well, I'm, I'm based in Kildare, but Dublin to me is... It's the next best thing to Liverpool. It'll never be as good as Liverpool now. So don't, don't be offended yeah, by that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, let's not It'll never silly. be Scouse. <laughs> yeah. But it's the next best thing. Do you know, you've got the same sense of humour. Some of you are more passionate than than us. Like, some of you I have to go, well, I have to be a winder in now. Do you know, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but like, it's the, the passions there and the sense of humour is there, but the, the, the loyalty, the faith, the belief, the trust, all that, you know, like, it's like when you go on holiday, you always meet someone from Ireland, but when you go on holiday, you always meet someone from Liverpool and you stick together and it, that's just a given. Yeah. Do you I, know what I mean? And I, that's what I love about Dublin itself. I, I mean, I know I live in Kildare, but I, I do have big, more connections with Dublin and that's how I feel when I go up there, like it's home from home. And, and but I have a better accent. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly, clearly you have a better accent. But in, in relation to, to, to maybe Hillsborough itself, have you have you found that there's been that level of support in Ireland? I know we spoke to Sheila Coleman earlier and she was talking about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, coming over here, she was always surprised that, you know, people did keep it kind of alive, maybe in little pockets, but nonetheless, they did keep it alive. Has that, has that been your experience as well? It's difficult for me to say because um, my... My time, but obviously in Dublin, in sorry, in Ireland, has been spent more down in Kildare, and no, it's not down here. They don't like to me. Do people buy the sun? And I'm like, get, yeah. I, I'm not even going to get in your car, get that paper out the car, yeah. and they don't understand. And then you know they say about I would talk about silver, and they're like, oh, what's that? And you know they don't understand. But then people talk about um, is it was it the start the 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 dance where a lot of, there was a disco or something where a lot of people could be killed, Stardust, was it? Yeah. And I, like, I, that, so to me, I'd be like, oh, I don't really understand that. So it's so, I suppose the same type of, you know, it doesn't affect a lot. It doesn't affect everybody. Liverpool people are really passionate and it's a little place. So like, and Dublin's like a little place as well. So it doesn't surprise me that it's, it's more popular just there and not so much in the outskirts. Now, I don't want to rule, I'm sure there's people who are going to disagree and say, oh, well, you know, it's like that down for me in Cork and in Waterford. And, and then people do exist without a shadow of a doubt mm. because I've, that, that support's been shown through this walk. I've had people on on Twitter who, by the way, they all think I'm a man. I'm not. <laughs> um, Good to clarify like, that, Charlie. Yeah. Yes, I know my name's Charlie, and uh, like, well, I'm not a man. And yeah. um, yeah, the um, the the support, like, and the messages I've had, like from Tipperary, from Cork, from people who are in France but they're Irish, and like, I want to be. There. I wish I was there on the day. It's great to show the the Irish people, uh, you know, showing it. And obviously, do you assume I'm Irish as well? You know, which yeah. is, you know, I, that's fine. I don't mind that. But there's a massive, a massive amount of support. Uh, but personally, first hands before this war, no, I have, I haven't yeah. come across that at all. A lot of people down here are Man United fans, so I have a bad time. I'm having a ball at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that, that's a worry, all right. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So basically, it's been a very positive experience for you. This whole the the the, the Ireland walks with the ninety six. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's made been... you. Sorry, it's made me feel like I've made me mark. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, I felt very. I I, I do feel very homesick. Alarms a lot of times of the year, and you know. Um, 
obviously Hillsborough is one of them and we since forever like since my kids were little I have I've made them watch the memorial and explain like obviously they see me getting upset and they've over the years learned that it's not me crying out of sadness a lot of it's out of pride yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and, and they they're proud of me doing this do you know what I mean and it's nice to see that they understand what it is and they want to take part in it and it's funny because they say like you know when they're in school and stuff and they're like you know we're not Irish we're Scouts you know and it's funny yeah, like yeah. speak for Irish accents now do you know what I mean so <laughs> it is it's mad like when they, uh, things like that but yeah it's it's uh, a, a lot of it, it's, it's being emotional to be honest but yeah I'm not going to lie it has been proper and emotional like because so many people have come out and gone, oh, you know, there was a fella here, he was here and he was at that match and it was four hours before he rang home. All these stories come out, do you know yeah. what I mean? And like I said, people who were there, they don't shout about it. So when things like this come about, it does bring people out the woodwork and they go, oh, I had a cousin or I had someone there and or I always go to the memorial. But they don't make a big song and dance about it. Do you know, they don't put it all over social networking and go, look at me, aren't I great going here? They yeah. just do it. Because they want to do it, and they're the people that matter more to me. Yeah, well, listen, we, we, we can only thank you for being part of organising something as, as excellent as Ireland was with the 96. And uh, thank you for your time this evening, Charlie. You're very good. You're more than welcome. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we leave you with some of the atmosphere from a truly wonderful occasion on Saturday in the Phoenix Park when Ireland walked with the 96.
Sense anyway. Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the no table? No, chairs too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.